Hey everybody, Psychic Medium Angelo here. Welcome to another episode of Wrestling with the Future. I'm joined by Armageddon, the man from Hell, Minnesota. Mike Murphy from Lansdale, PA, in other words. How are you, Mikey? I'm good. Pleasure to be here. Actually, it's from Killing, Texas. Oh, is that where you were built from? Why did I get Hell, Minnesota? Where did I come up with that at? I have no idea. <laughs> I think I do. I'm just recalling it. You know what? I gave you that moniker in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Okay. And I introduced you as being from Hell, Minnesota. Because <laughs> I actually looked on the map and there's a place called Hell, Minnesota. So when they say it was colder than hell, there's actually a place you can refer to. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take your word for that. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Killeen, Texas. Yes, sir. All right. Now, anybody who knows you, like I do, now you're a pretty nice guy. Uh, right. What's days. our secret? It's on our most, secret. On most days, I'm a nice guy. Most time. <laughs> most of the time. So, but you were, in your career, uh, a dastardly dreaded heel that put the fear of God into people that you, you wrestled against or, or knew they had to work you that night. They know, if anything, you know, we know that you like to work a little snug, a little stiff. Mm -hmm. That's good, because there's a lot of guys that like to work that way. But when you're in the ring with a guy, working heel against him, uh, and you say, okay, look, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. Uh, brace yourself or uh, loosen up yourself, as the case may be. Have you gotten any resistance from guys that say, you know, I don't, I don't work that style? Uh, I got resistance from a guy one time, and it wasn't because of the style of wrestling, you know, working tight. It was more because this kid, uh, his ego showed up to the arena 20 minutes before he did. And let me guess, he was probably in the business a whole six months. Uh, yeah, six months to a year, something like that. Oh, and that was just a guess. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know what his problem with me was. But, uh, I was going over that night, and you know he was told I was going over that night. He blew the finish, blew kayfabe. And then turns around and tries to blame it on me. Well, tell uh, tell the audience, uh, walk us through uh, what happened that night. I know the story, by the way, but I'm not going to give away the, uh, I'm not going to tip the hat. I want you to tell the story. Uh, what happened was, uh, we were doing a match. He was going, I was going to go over. We decided to have an ending where we would finish the match with a Cobra Clutch. He didn't want to do that. He wanted to come off the top rope to a frog splash. I would roll out of the way. He would hit the ring. And then I would come over and roll him up. Well, as right. he ascended to the top rope, he lost his balance, fell off. So I went back to the original ending, which was the Cobra Clutch. He didn't want to do that. And he fought me on it the whole time. Right. And then he starts yelling out, uh, Schoolboy me, schoolboy me, to where the fans could hear. Oh. Uh, so I just said, you know what? The, the match is blown. The ending is blown. Yeah. 
I rolled him up with a small boy, and uh, as soon as the match was over, he headed towards the back, and I was hot on his heels. And, and what got, happened in the dressing room after the match? Well, when we got to the dressing room, uh, the booker yelled out to the guys, get between these two, and I was going after him because I firmly believe um, you, know, you don't blow kayfabe at you don't try and embarrass somebody because, you know, you blew the ending. And you especially don't do that uh, and show disrespect to the to the veteran. Right. That's the, the bigger picture here. You're, you were the veteran in the match. Right. And he showed disrespect to the veteran. Instead of following your lead, he went into, sounds like he went into business for himself. Right, exactly. And from what I understand, not too long after that, uh, he got out of the business and uh, he hasn't been in the business since, from what I understand. Is he still working at McDonald's? Uh, something like that. Now, yeah. Actually, the last I heard, he had joined the, uh, he had joined the Army. Oh, okay. Well, oh, God. I'm being... <laughs> <laughs> Going so, from the frying pan to the fire? Let, let, let them deal with him. <laughs> going going from fake fighting to real fighting. That's great. <laughs> Gee whiz. So, Mikey, we uh, on the last episode we did, we talked about your beginnings uh, in your career. And we left off right about the point where you had left uh, Dino Santa for a bit, for a short time, and went with... Uh, I think it was called Superstar Wrestling, SSW. Uh, yeah, well, after I left Dino, uh, I took a couple years off. Okay. And a, uh, about three years after I left Dino, I was sitting home one night, and I get a phone call from a gentleman named uh, Mike DiMuzio, who I'm sure you know well. Oh, absolutely, of course. Uh, Ring announcer, uh, referee, uh, inductee into the Independent Circuit Wrestling Hall of Fame. Yeah, Mike DiMuzio is a, a hell of a promoter. The guy, he really worked his way up. He did everything in the business. He, as you said, he was a ref. Uh, he was a manager, a promoter. Uh, he even sold tickets for a while, you know, and collected at the door. He did everything. So he yeah. really did work his way up. So you worked for Mike. Good guy. I worked for Mike, uh, and the booker at the time there was a gentleman named uh, Shane Shadow. Okay. So, uh, Super Shane Shadow, something like I don't know. I didn't know him that well. Uh, basically, Mike calls me up, and he says, uh, you know, how you been? How's it going? And I said, it's going good. What do you want? <laughs> He says, well, what, what, what do you mean, what do I want? Well, can't I just call an old friend? I said, it's been three years since I've been in the ring and I haven't heard from you. Now, all of a sudden, I'm hearing from you. What do you want? He says, well, he says, I got my promoter's license. I put an organization together. He says, I'd like to have you come and, you know, work in the organization. I said, well, do what, as the booker, as announcer or what I said active wrestler he says well I'd like you to work as an active wrestler but I'd also like you to work with the younger guys and help bring them along help bring them up okay 
Uh, and he says it would really mean a lot to me. And it, he says I consider it, you know, one hell of a personal favor. And I said, you know, Mike, I said, you want me, you got me. Okay. See, back, back then, a lot of people don't understand. Back then, everything was done in the business on a handshake. Sure. Absolutely. If you shook a man's hand and said, hey, I'll be at that show, then you were you had to be at that show. Absolutely. You were, you were only as good as your word. Uh, so I, I went to work for Mike and things were going things were going great. Uh, I had uh, with Superstar Wrestling, I had won the uh, United States, the U.S. title. Uh, I had won the uh, Enterprise Championship, which to this day, we're still trying to figure out what that was. Well, uh, let me stop you there for a second, Mike. How important uh, are titles on the indie circuit? Are they, uh, are, are they uh, a symbol of prestige to other promotions? Or are they basically glorified props? Well, see, that, that also depends on the wrestler. Okay. Good. That's, some, that's a good answer. I'd like the, you to elaborate on that. Yeah. There are some wrestlers in the indie circuit who have never held a title their whole career. And there are some who held multiple titles like myself. Uh, some wrestlers will tell you, hey, yeah, that title belt and 50 cents might get you a cup of coffee. Sure. Uh, there are some wrestlers in the big time, like Dwayne The Rock Johnson, that'll tell you, hey, if you're not in this to wear a title and to be the champion and be the best, then you're wasting your time. That's why I say it depends on the wrestler, what, what that one particular wrestler's mindset is. Sure. Uh, so with SSWS, I wore the... Uh, the United States Championship. I wore the Enterprise Championship, which I don't know what that was, but I, I wore it. Uh, <laughs> right. And I, the uh, SSW World Heavyweight Title. Okay. Uh, and you know, d during that time, aside from so, aside from a little extra, a little extra payday, the titles were. Um, depending on you know who you worked for, and depending on the on the guy, right? And and I knowing a little bit about you, actually knowing quite a bit about you, they were the title was probably important to you. Definitely, because I I looked at it as Dwayne the Rock Johnson looked at it. You're in this business not to be, even if it's just one time in your whole career to be the best. Then you're you're just wasting your time. You're just playing. Who's the first guy to put a to put a strap around you? Uh, that would be uh, Dino Sada. And and uh, tell everybody who Dino is and what his promotion is, and what led you to getting uh, uh, a title there. Uh, Dino Sada is the owner and promoter of Triple WA Worldwide Wrestling Alliance. Right. I was with Dino for about 13, 14 years. Right. And I should tell everybody, you know, Dino is a friend of both of ours. Exactly. I know Dino well. And you, unfortunately, know him well as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Angelo, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something about Dino Sana. 
<laughs> I love your Dino impression. You you do a spot on Dino Santa. So let, let's talk about Dino for a minute. The Worldwide Wrestling Alliance is a fairly significant group oh, in our area, the Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware area. Dino had a lot of names come through his promotion over the years. A lot of big names. And, uh, and, and made a fair amount of money doing it. Um, at the time you were working for Dino, was Dino self-booking or did Dino have a booker? Uh, Dino had a booker. All right, Dino. tell me a little bit about Dino's booker. Who was it and what is his... Uh, his position now, if you know. Well, Dino had a number of bookers. Okay. Uh, basically, the booker job went to whoever whoever really wanted to deal with it. Because, you know, you, you might, you know deal, dealing with wrestlers is not the easiest thing in the world to do. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm a promoter, remember? <laughs> uh, he had the, when I was working for Dino, he had a booker. Uh, his name was David. I can't think of his last name, but we call it, he called himself Diamond Dave. And uh, yeah, so he, he was booking the shows. Okay. Uh, he would run it by Dino, and Dino would say yay or nay to, you know, who he brought on the shows. Right. Uh, I have a funny story. I remember I called Dave one night because he and I happened to be friends. I called him one night, and he asked friends, he says, hello. David, Dino Sana, how you doing? <laughs> he says, hey, Dino, how's it going? I said, look, well, next week of show, I want you to put Armageddon over for the world title. He says, what is it? You heard me. I want him to go over for the world title. He says, yeah, but Dino, I'll have to rewrite the whole show. I don't care. You do whatever you've got to do. He said, let me tell you something. You do what I tell you to do. I said, all right, you know, it's your promotion. And I said, Dave, it's me, Mike. He goes, oh, my God. He says, don't do that. <laughs> the whole show. He says, don't do that. <laughs> you know, I, it's times like this I wish I had an audio recording of Dino speaking because you really do a spot on Dino. You really, really do. So he thought he was being... Uh, he was being worked into putting you uh, over for the strap. Right. Well, what what it was is, and what they didn't tell me was, I was wrestling for the uh, IC title. Right. And I was uh, I was getting put over for the title that night, but they didn't tell me. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, so everybody knew, but you. Well, one of the boys in the back happened to go by me, and he said, oh, hey, congratulations, champ. And I looked, and I hadn't done oh. the match. What are you talking about? Yeah. And was, oh, I don't think I was supposed to say that. Well, I'm too late now. Come on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, I found out. But I acted very surprised, you know. <laughs> sure. That's and, funny. Uh, well, they, so I'd, got, I'd gotten put over for the title, and... The IC title, that was the first strap that uh, that I held for Worldwide Wrestling Alliance. And so you mentioned uh, wearing the uh, the heavyweight strap, the world strap, and that was for uh, Mike DiMuzio. 
Yes. What did what kind of convincing did it take or what were the circumstances surrounding you even being considered or given the opportunity to wear that that strap? Was it something that you wanted or did they have a uh, a storyline that played into your your character at the time? To be honest, I think it was a little bit of both. Okay, uh, walk me through it. Well, Mike had known that, you know, I'd always wanted to wear, as we in the business called the big belt. Sure. And uh, and he knew at with Dino I had been denied numerous times. Um, we can get into that later if you like. Um, I happen to know why, and you know that I know why. Uh, it's entirely your discretion if you want to go into that later with uh, a gentleman named Paul. Last name remain unknown. Uh, no, I think we'll let sleeping dogs lie there. Okay, fair enough. But uh, and I'll and I'll I'll tell you why I the man for some reason has some has something against me. I don't know what it is. I've always tried to be nice to him and get along with him. He has something against right. me. I don't know what it is. And I don't, I really don't trust or respect him. And yeah. with that, I'll leave it at that. And the reason I brought that up was to demonstrate time. It depends on who the booker is and who the promoter surrounds himself with. Uh, who gets into his ear, let's put it that way. Right, uh, and and I didn't I didn't specifically want to uh, single him out, and that's why I'm you know his last name will remain nameless, uh, and his character name will remain nameless. But this person had a personal uh, issue or heat with you, as they say in the business, he had heat with you, mm-hmm. and that pre- that prevented you. From going I, I, only oh, to wow. a certain point with Dino, I right? Want. Yeah, and you may never know. But no. Mike DiMuzio I, decided... Uh, let sleeping dogs lie. Yeah, but, but Mike DiMuzio at some point said, you know what? Okay, let's do this. So tell me uh, what the circumstances surrounding you being considered for the heavyweight uh, championship were. Well... Well, one, I was nearing the end of my career. Uh, I had been in the business for about uh, 16, 17 years. I was getting older. A lot of new guys coming up. Um, Brian Hardy uh, was the heavyweight champ at the time. And he was going out to... He was taking some time off from the business to uh, follow his musical career. Okay. For those of you that don't know, when I say Brian Hardy, I, I don't mean Brian Hardy from the Hardy Boys. I mean uh, Brian Hardy from, uh, I think his uh, dad was, uh, uh, what I can't even think of his name, but he used to pat himself on the back. Oh, um, uh, uh, Barry Horowitz. Barry Horowitz, yeah. I think I sure. think his dad was Barry Horowitz. 
Yeah, uh, as fa- we should say that in, his father, in fact, is Barry Horowitz. Right. That That's a fact. Yeah. So we put this thing together where uh, I got on the uh, SSW uh, website. And I, I basically, you know, called Barry out, or called, yeah, called Barry, yeah. I, uh, I, called, uh, I called Brian out. And right. the night of the night of the match, I, you know, the show the show had just started. Mike was out welcoming the crowd, and my music hit, and I came walking out. I was still in my street clothes. I came walking out, yeah, and I got in the ring, and uh, Mike handed me the microphone, and I looked at the crowd. I said, "Okay, for those of you that have been following what happens on our website." You all know that I called Brian Hardy out. Well, tonight's the night, Brian. I know you're in the back. I know you can hear me. Bring your skinny little ass on after this ring. And you tell these people whether you accept my challenge or not. Yeah. Well, he came out and, you know, of course, I was this. I'm not worthy. I'm in the presence of greatness, yada, yada, yada. And I took the microphone from him. I said, well, you know, Brian, I don't need Mike in this ring. I don't need a referee in this ring. And I started unbuttoning my shirt. I said, for all I care, we don't even need a match. We can do this right here and right now. Uh, next thing I know, I was hit from behind by uh, another wrestler who I didn't see. And uh, then I, next thing I know, I'm being helped to the back. Because uh, Brian and this other wrestler, uh, uh, the Blue Basher was his name. Right. Uh, they attacked me. Yeah. Well, at first, I, I uh, my ribs were kind of injured and they weren't going to let me wrestle. Right. So I signed, I signed a release uh, you know, that if I got injured even more, that it was on me. And I went out and... I beat Brian Hardy one, two, three in the middle of the ring for the uh, SSW heavyweight title. So now was the uh, sneak attack uh, a shoot or was this uh, part of the work? I was part of the work. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I, yeah, it, it was part of the work. It was something to make it look you know better to the crowd. You know, will Armageddon be able to come back from this? And yeah, you know, right, sure. Uh, so you uh, you you finally get your chance to wear the big gold. And uh, the big belt. And so now, how long after that did you exit SSW? And on what terms did you leave? Uh, well, let's see. Um, I'd say about three, four months, I was heavyweight champion. And then uh, I dropped the belt to uh, Inferno. Uh, Corey Gebert. Sure. I dropped the belt to him. Uh, I took some, I wanted to take some time off because I've been going with, after I come back, I've been going with Mike for like two, three years straight. And I want to take some time off, heal up, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when I came back, uh, came back to find out that uh, Corey was now the owner of SSW, he was buying, 
the promotion for Mike DiMuzio. Right. Uh, I did a couple more matches for them. Uh, the last match that I did for them was a four-way dance for the title. Uh, a lot of people, well, Corey felt that I went into business for myself that night, which I didn't. I did what I was told to do. Yeah. Uh, I think, unfortunately, I think it was a bad match <clears throat> going on. Yeah. Uh, Corey was a champion at the time. Uh, some new kid, I couldn't even tell you his name if he was standing next to me in McDonald's. Yeah. Uh, and I saw the direction that I didn't like the direction that I saw SSW going. Right. Well, the next day, my phone calls weren't getting returned. I called Demuzio and, you know, explained what happened to him. He says, oh, I know I was there. Uh, you know, he says, well, a lot of the guys in the locker room think you. I said, a lot of the guys are one person. Yeah. He says, well, one or two people think you went into business for you. I said, yeah. Well, so, what, let, let's talk about that. You know, for people who don't understand what that means, going into business for yourself means that you've taken it upon yourself to direct the match to your favor. That's going into business for yourself. Right. In other words, uh, uh, not playing by the rules. And the right. rules are trust each other in the ring. Trust the guy you're working with because you're giving him your body. And, uh, and if you go into business for yourself, somebody could get hurt. Because very often that turns into a shoot real quick. Well, a lot of what I saw was uh, the show was turning into, from SSW, was turning into the Inferno show. Okay. Uh, you know, he was a heavyweight. And see, there, there's a rule, and it's not so much a rule, but a guideline. You cannot be a wrestler and the promoter at the same time. Yeah, it, well, that's a, a, a <laughs> what a tangled web we weave. Um, you know, that worked well uh, on on the big leagues with uh, with Dusty Rhodes. Right. You know, Dusty is well known. Dusty was the uh, the booker for uh, WCW and for a time with the uh, National Wrestling Alliance (NWA). He was also a main talent on the roster, mm -hmm. and for a time he actually promoted WCW before the buyout and all that happened. Right, and, and that's that's well documented. Why did it work on the big stage, uh, as, as many things do, but yet on the smaller scale, it didn't work? And I think I know the answer, but I want to hear your take on it. Uh, one word, ego. Thank you. That, that's where I was going with it, yeah. In the small, on the smaller stage in the indie circuit, the ego takes over and the show becomes about you. Mike, uh, let me ask you a question, because I, I want to pursue that questioning. It's pretty clear that guys that work the indie circuit are there because they're either, A, not good enough for the big league, or nobody wants them. So where does this 
and I have to use this word, where does this rampant ego come from? Because I can tell you having, you know, because you've saw it, uh, I promoted for a long time, 24 years. Mm-hmm. And I've seen some of the largest egos in the world go through the door 30 minutes before the, the guy got there. Right. And guys that you've never heard of before and haven't since. No, Where does right. it come from? Uh, where does it come from? Well, one, in wrestling, we're all marks for ourselves. It's fine and, to be a mark for yourself. There, there's, you know, I mean, it's pretty clear everybody that works in the business is a mark for themselves for yeah, some degree. But what I want to know is where does that, like, you know, step aside because I'm here now attitude come from? Uh, where does it come from? It comes from. A lot of people say, oh, well, it's not ego, it's self-confidence. Well, there's such a thing as too much self-confidence. I mean, there are wrestlers out there that you and I have dealt with that are great wrestlers. Just ask them. They'll tell you. Uh, <laughs> exactly. You know, and, but they couldn't, you know, they don't know, you know, a wrist lock from a hammer lock. Sure. Uh, or no, how's that go? A wrist lock, a wrist watch from a wrist lock. Yeah. Uh, That's another monsoonism, by the way. Where, where, where does the ego come from? Uh, well, I think we're all most people to get into wrestling. I think we were all that kid uh, growing up in school or on the playground that either uh, couldn't hit a ball, run fast enough. Yeah. Uh, the we we're the main target in dodgeball. Yeah. And we all have something to prove. Mike, does it come from people telling you over and over again how great you are? And building you up even though you may be the drizzling shits? Can can uh, we have a little truth and uh, is yeah. Because the people that are telling you that are the people in the audience who were that fat kid that couldn't kick a ball and kick ball or catch a ball that well or run that fast. And they couldn't even do wrestling, but they'll pick out a wrestler. And and it's almost like, hey, I'm hanging with this wrestler. Even though it's an indie show, I'm hanging with this wrestler. He's bringing us to slice bread. And you know what? We see that even now, Mike. You know, with the you and I, I should point out, uh, Murphy and I, Mike Murphy and I, uh, attended a show together uh, in October, uh, a local indie show here in New Jersey, uh, where we met. We met up with Brian Pillman Jr., who, yeah. by the way, will be a guest on the show. Great guy. Great guy. Yeah. And Brian, um, very humble guy, probably the biggest star in that locker room. With zero ego. Zero. When we met him, he was very humble. Mm -hmm. He was very laid back. A gentleman, very soft-spoken. But there were people there, I dare say, I will not mention their names, but there were people there whose presence you felt as soon as you pulled the curtain back. Who I don't know and probably will never see again. 
I, so I the the ego, I, I think, I, comes from people telling you, marks for you, telling you how great you are. We had a show, I should point this out, I was uh, the owner and promoter of NCW All-Star Wrestling for twenty, almost 25 years, 24 years. Uh, and Armageddon, Mike Murphy, worked for me a couple shows. Uh, the most notable of which was the at the Atlantic City uh, Sands Casino for the 9-11 benefit. And we had some big names on that show. Yes, we did. Uh, and there were three people that were that worked on that show, and I will I will name names. It's uh, Kevin Matthews, Greg Spitz, and um, uh, and what was the other guy? Oh, um, it's Greg Spitz, Kevin Matthews, and I'm wanting to say. No, not Slayer. It wasn't Slayer. George was a good guy. But there was one more guy. But the point I'm trying to make is that these two guys came through there like they owned the place. Uh-huh. In fact, Kevin Matthews, it was Kevin Matthews was the guy who'd sidestepped Slayer causing him to break his shoulder on the uh, uh, on the guardrail. You remember that? Uh vaguely, yeah. I was so, I was I had done my match and I was backstage. Yeah. Yeah, that was we have we have the film of it actually. We have the entire show and you can clearly see where Slayer got on the top rope and jumped into these three guys. Uh, Kevin Matthews sidestepped it, leaving only two guys. Actually, no, you're right. I remember that. You remember uh, now? Yeah. You know, and why? Why he did it? I asked him afterward. He didn't feel like he should have to job the match. Well, it was a six-man match, so there were going to be at least three jobbers in that match, and three guys that went over as a team, as right. a team. You said wrestling's not a team sport. Well, that night it was. Right. Well, you've got three guys against three guys. Well, one team's going to go up, and one team's going to go, you know, going to have to be put over. Yeah. I mean, one team's going to have to lay down, and one team's going to get put over. And exactly. he didn't feel like he should have to do that. My, my match, oh, I'm, I was, I'm uh, calling him out. Dance. We were the first match out. I was in a three way dance, and I was told, Hey, um, you're gonna be the first one eliminated. I looked at it as, Hey, first one eliminated, last one eliminated. I'm getting paid the same amount, don't bother me. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, let's talk about the state of indie wrestling well, in let, our let, area. Look, look, let me back up on a couple things that you would ask sure. me. I didn't to answer them. Uh, you had mentioned as far as the booker or wrestler being the owner of the company and the ego and all. You know, you brought up late, great Dusty Rhodes. Uh, well, why, could the, why was it able for Dusty Rhodes to be the booker and 
you know, promote himself in the shows. Well, if you watch, how many times, how many matches while Dusty was doing it, how many matches did Dusty go over? Very exactly. few. Sure, Very few. exactly. Um, also, where does the ego come from? Well, like we said, the ego comes from, you know, we're getting patted on the back by the fans, and, you know, so that, you know, we get recognized, we get our own little bit of hometown fame from people in our hometown. Exactly. They know who you are. Sure, they know who you are. And they should know who you are. And they should come out to support you. Right. But it should not give you the right to carry yourself like you're better than anybody else. Because let's be honest about it. You're all ham and eggers. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll be the first one to say I'm a, I'm an indie circuit ham and egger. I am no one special. I am, yeah. If, if I was so special, and this is what I don't like about a lot of guys in the business that are coming up in the business. And let, and let me point it out to them right now. Guys, if you're watching this and you're in the indie circuit pro wrestling, guess what? Unless Vince McMahon is banging down your door with a contract in one hand, Okay, guess what? He doesn't give a shit who you are. And the only people that do care who you are is your mom and dad and your family members and your friends that bought tickets to the show to come and watch you. Other than that, no one gives a shit who you are. Exactly. So <laughs> exactly. That attitude that, hey, I'm a ham and egger. Yeah, maybe one day I'll get lucky enough sure. and get a tryout with the big time. But sure. I've seen tryouts with the big time. They get their tryout, and they go they go up to Connecticut. They do the tryout, and then they never hear from Vince ever again. Exactly, so, and that that happens more more often than people know. Right. So go into the business being humble. Respect the guys who came before you. Show them the proper respect. Well, that's something we can go into now if you want, or you could we can go there later. But showing the respect to the guys, uh, to the guys who paved the way. Now, you, I, I should point out that in your career, you've had the opportunity to step into the ring with some legends. Tell, yeah. uh, g give uh, the people listening and watching some idea of what we're talking about, who you've been in the ring with, and how do you show a legend respect? Uh, well. The one legend I was in the ring with, and he was, and he was a uh, WWE Hall of Famer, uh, the great Nikolai Volkov. May he rest in peace, Nick. I hope you're watching. Uh, he's at that big Royal Rumble in the sky. <laughs> Amen. Right. Uh, I've been on the card with some of the greats, like uh, uh, Mick Foley. Uh, I've met Dusty Rhodes. I should I should point out to people, and I'm going to interrupt you for a second, because I should point out to people that I put you on the same card with Jimmy Snooker. Jimmy Snooker. Time Tom Brandy. Tom Brandy. And Big Slam Vader. Big Slam Vader. Also, don't forget at that show, uh, just showed up for the hell of it. Oh, Chris Candido. Sonny. Yeah. Ray Mysterio Jr. Sure. You know, 
I, I've been in the locker room with some of the greats. Uh, I spoke to Taz on the radio from that radio show I told you about. Yeah. And every time I meet one of the greats or one of my heroes, I shake their hand, and the first thing I do is I say, first, I, want, I said, it's a pleasure to meet you. It's an honor to meet you. Second, I want to thank you for everything you did in your wrestling career because you made it to where you broke down doors to where guys like me who wouldn't have had a career could have one. And that for that, I thank you. Absolutely. Um, we should point out that one of the things we're talking about, and I want you to go in depth a little bit. Okay. When a newbie or a green guy is in a locker room with a legend. The protocol is, and this is for everybody, the protocol is you go up to the legend, you introduce yourself, and you shake his hand. That's the protocol. Yes. You never go up to a legend and say, okay, I would like to do this, and I would like to do that. Tell everybody about Okay, go ahead. You know where I'm going. Go ahead. I know where you are. I was in, uh, oh, my buddy's showing up. Hello, you know, buddy. You're a ham, you know that? He needed his camera time. Here you go. <laughs> I uh, was in um, Mechanicsburg. Or no, 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 no. I stand right. I was in Dillsburg, PA. And I was wrestling uh I, I couldn't even tell you the kid's name but uh he comes in and i'm sitting there with the uh with cory gabbert inferno and uh refer and a referee um zach carlucci one oh sure great, one of the greatest indie referees out there yeah. why he went to wwe i have no idea um <laughs> And we're we're sitting there, we're sitting there just shooting the breeze, talking about old matches. And I I didn't know who I was wrestling that night. Yeah. And this kid, this kid comes in. He looks like he weighs all of a buck twenty five, soaking wet with rocks in his pockets. I'm I'm totally scale at about two fifty five. And he looks at me and says, you are Armageddon. I said, yeah, how you doing? I reached my hand. I shake hands with him. He says, it's you and me tonight. I said, okay. He said, well, this is what we're going to do. This is going to be our start. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And this, that, and the other thing. We're going to turn it around here. And then we're going to do this and that. And then we're going to take it home. And I said, really? <laughs> I said, how about we do this? I said, we're going to get in the ring. We're going to lock up. I'm going to proceed to crush the ever-loving shit out of you. And then we're going to go home. <laughs> Here, I'm going to get changed. And I'm going to think about that match for as long as it's going to take me to go from getting my pay to going to my car. And then I'm going to forget about it. And you're not ever going to be a second thought in my mind. I said, how's that sound, Sparky? <laughs> and I got up and I walked away. And I could hear Corey Gebert look at him and say, congratulations. You just pissed off the nicest guy in the locker room. I would not want to be you in that ring tonight. <laughs> now, if you're new in the business, I, and I don't care if you got 
even if you're not new in the business, if the guy's there and he's got more time in the business than you do, you don't go into him, introduce yourself, and tell him how the match is going to go. Exactly. That's exactly that's you need to get your ass kicked. Well, let's talk about when something like that happens and a receipt has to be given. And for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, it's a time-honored tradition in wrestling that if somebody shoots on you, they got a receipt coming. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's clearly, I would call that a shoot. I will, if somebody, if somebody stiffs me, accidents happen. And I'll tell them, if, if I've got a new guy, I'll tell them, look, kid, don't worry, I'm going to make you look strong. Uh, you know, is there anything special you want to do during the match, you know, so we can right. put it in. And I'll tell them, okay, I'm going over. I'll tell you when we're going home. If you get lost, tell me. I'll put you in a rest hold. You gulp some air. We'll get back on, you know, we'll get back on track. Sure. Um, if you stiff me more than once, uh, or you go into business for yourself, I'm going to make you pay for it. I'm going to give you a receipt. I'm either going to chop the shit out of you, <laughs> or if need be, I'll break bones if I have to. That's called giving a receipt. Yeah. I'll, I'll pop a knee, break the tibia. I don't give a shit. Now, let's talk about uh, the, the active scene in our area a little bit. We okay. live in a, a very wrestling-rich area. The, uh, the Northeast is, for all intents and purposes, it's the mecca of indie wrestling. Pennsylvania, yes. New, New Jersey, and Delaware. Of course, Delaware, we had ECWA, Jim Kettner's group. New Jersey, we had, uh, and I say that past tense, had NWA Jersey and Jersey All Pro, which my new co-host, Ricky O, was the owner of and promoter. We also have in Pennsylvania, Dino Santa's, the WWWA, Triple WA, uh, SSW, and who else is in Pennsylvania, Mike? Uh, there's a, I can't think of their name. Um, they've been around for a couple, about four or five years, I think. Could be longer. Uh, an upstart group of, uh, young, young talent. Oh, Mike, is that Atomic I, Wrestling? I, I, I'm sure they're fine talent. You know, I've never got to see them, though. Is that, is that the group, Mike, called Atomic Wrestling Federation? It might be. I think I think I know which one you're. I think it's called Atomic. Uh, no, no, I think it's Excellence. Okay. Excellence Wrestling Center. I I'm not sure. Okay. I'm not sure. You also have uh, WXW. Okay, sure. Run by uh, uh, I think it's WXWC four, and that is run. That was run at first by uh, Alpha and Hawaii. Uh, is now being run by uh, Samu and Hawaii. Okay. The uh, the famous Samoan family, uh, the Wild Samoans, Afa and Sika. That's right. And Samu is the uh, the nephew, right? Samu is uh, the nephew, yes. 
Okay, and I should point out that uh, I partied with Samu at my father's bar, and he's a hell of a guy and a great drinker. <laughs> I, and I'll leave it at that. Um, yeah, I, I, talk I, I to me and... about when you're working uh, your state and you get called to another state like New Jersey, like I brought you in. Uh-huh. Do you have to change your style to that promoter or do you just wrestle the way you wrestle? Basically, or does it depend on what they want from you, Mike? I would basically what I would do, like you and I did. I met many phone calls. Uh, I would, and you and I, we sat down and I said, you know, tell me what you want. What do you want from me? Sure. Try, you, you tell me what you want, I'll probably be able to give it to you. Well, and, you remember when we spoke, the one thing I that I said to you, the first thing I said was, what do you do well? And uh, your answer, and I, I'll never forget your answer because it was classic. And I said, I looked right at you, and uh, we were in my home. I said, Armageddon, what do you do well? And you looked at me and you said, I beat people up. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was more along the lines of, he said, Armageddon, tell me, what do you do well? I said, well, I'm an asshole and I beat people up. That's pretty well what you said, yes. <laughs> he looked at me like, all right, is this guy shooting on me? Or <laughs> I thought to myself, I have a friend for life. <laughs> and we've been friends for 25 years. Yeah, yeah, we've been yeah. Since, oh, yeah. yeah, something like that, right? Yeah, 22, 23 years, something like that. Something, something around there. It's a, yeah. it's a, it's oh, but I knew what you because your answer is what I was looking for. It was honest and it was short, sweet, and to the point. I beat yeah. people up, yeah. I'm an asshole, and I beat people up. I like it. That's your character. You're a heel, yeah, a natural heel, and it came across. It was beautiful. But now, when you're working a guy that isn't familiar with your style, are you more comfortable taking lead of the match? Or are you willing to, to give him a little, as we say, a little rope, a little leeway? Um, normally, if it's somebody I've never worked before, before the show, I'll try and talk to them as much as possible, get a feel for them, get a feel for their personality. Because nine times out of ten, a wrestler's personality is pretty much how he works in the ring. If he, if, that's, uh, I, I, stop right there, because I that's, that is so key. What you just said is so key. I want you to say it again, and I want you to tell everybody exactly what that means a wrestler uh how a wrestler works depends on his personality uh what that means is if you get a wrestler that you go up and you meet him and i and i one thing i always made a point of no matter what locker room i went into i always made a point to shake hands with every one of the wrestlers there uh if you get the handshake of the guy's got like that death grip handshake. Okay, this guy probably works tight or he works stiff. Or you get the dead fish handshake. 
Uh, it's like, yeah. okay, this guy probably has no clue what the hell he's doing. Um, and if I'm with one of those guys, I'll tell them. You know, first I'll find out, and a lot of guys thought I was being, uh, being a pain in the ass about it. I would find out in my match who was going over. Because if I found out who yeah. was over, I could we could put something together better because for the guy who's not going over, the yeah. pressure's off. You know? You know, you find out who's going over, the pressure's off that. Yeah. And well, and the other thing too is if you know who's going over, then you as the wrestler can adjust your style and pace of the match. Exactly. You can make it go longer or you can make it go shorter. If the match is working out and if people are buying into it, you can extend it. Right. And if the and if the people are shitting on the match, then you can give the go home. Right. And not only that, but you also get a feel if the guy's one of uh, what I like to call these high flyers. Uh, yeah. They're, they're jumping all over the place, but they ain't selling shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I said, me, I'm more of a meat and potatoes wrestler. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, it, it, Roddy Piper said it best in the movie They Live. I have come here to chew bubblegum and smoke cigars, or chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. Out gum. of bubblegum, yeah. I, that's one of my favorite lines. Uh, show me which one's the referee, because I'm going to thump the shit out of the other one. Exactly. And, yeah, and but see, if you get to know the wrestler that you're working with, like, you get to talk with him for a few minutes, get to know him a little better. Yeah. Uh, perfect, perfect example. Uh, I wrestled a guy went by the name of Cremator. And this is a big dude. I mean, he was like 6'4", 6'5", 300-some-odd pounds. Ooh. Had the full, had like this, uh, almost like a, a, a jumpsuit, you know, like construction worker jumpsuit with the cross ties up here. Had the Michael Myers mask. Uh, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, you know. I mean, I, I mean, the guy was just an intimidating figure, and I'm and I drew him that night. I'm thinking, all right, this guy's gonna hurt me bad, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I tell you what, when you look at someone like that, now you saw my reaction was, okay, this guy's gonna hurt me bad. Yeah. You take a look at that. Okay, you look at that persona. You almost get a feel for. Okay, I know how this is going to go. Sure. Absolutely. This guy in the world, light as a feather, didn't stiff me once. Just a great, you know, I was, I put him over, which I had no problem to. Yeah. Um, I also was in a battle royal where a guy was in there and he had a red mask on. And I think this is where I got one of my concussions because this guy had just finished going through training. Yeah. I don't think anybody taught him how to give a headbutt, but I remember in this battle, right. I remember these two vices clamp onto the sneak side of my head, and all I see is this red mask go, wham, like that, and I mean, I literally dropped to my knees, 
And I'm looking around wondering what zip code I'm in. (laughs) I'm just looking up at him like, back off me, big motherfucker. (laughs) Exactly. Well, here's the thing. And you you mentioned something earlier. Working this big guy, the cremator. All right. They told me a big guy, 6'4", 6'5", 300 plus, working as light as a feather. The psychology behind that, and we're going to talk about psychology. The psychology behind that is simple. He knows he can rip your head off. Yeah. He knows he can hurt you. But he also knows that you're giving him your body. He's got to take care of you. Right. I find it's been my experience as both a promoter and a fan that the people who take liberties are usually underskilled, undertrained, if they're trained at all, and watch way too many wrestling videos and television and not enough time studying their craft. These big guys study their craft. A guy that big will know just how much to give you before he knows he's going to hurt you. So nobody taught him how to give a head, but once in a while, something slips. <laughs> well, like I said, that wasn't Cremator that did that. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was the same guy. Okay. This was a different wrestler. I was in a battle royal. Oh, I got it, you. This guy had just finished wrestling school. Oh. How to do a headbutt. Okay, and, so you just, yeah. Uh, you just made my point for me. Yeah. Because I just said it's usually people that are undertrained or underskilled. So, yep, you're absolutely right. Now, let's talk about psychology. Uh-huh. All right. couple of things, and you know how I feel about wrestling in-ring psychology. Where are the kids today learning psychology? They're Who's not. teaching them? Okay. They're not. Okay, go there. The match is supposed to tell a story. Most of the times the match starts off telling a story. And then somewhere halfway into the match, the story gets lost. And it all becomes... I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why it gets lost. Simple. Four words. It gets lost on four words. Get my shit in. Okay. Okay. That's where it gets lost. They forget about psychology because they're too interested in getting their shit in. Well, I got to get this move in. I have to get that move in. I have to get this. You know, this is my finisher. I have to get that in. Even if I'm not going over, I got to get my shit in. What happened to the old-fashioned... Well, here, here's my question, though, Mike. What happened to the old-fashioned adage of working the match, doing the finish, whosoever finish it is, putting over your guy or laying down for your guy, as the case may be, and going home? Why do you need to get your shit in? What is your shit there's nothing original in wrestling mike 
Nothing. Right. And that's, that's I, my I, problem. I, that's always been my problem. I love when people say, I got to get my shit in. Well, what is your shit? So explain. That's where the psychology goes. And that irks the crap out of me. Tell everyone who trained you and what was the first thing he said. Because I thought this was classic. Tell everybody. I was trained by uh, WWE Hall of Famer uh, Afa and Hawaii of Afa and Sika, Wild Samoans. And he said, Mike, and everybody called him Pops. Yeah, everybody called off of Pops. And he said, Mike, I want you to remember one thing. He said, if you leave this school, wrestling school and you've learned nothing from this wrestling school, he says, I want you to learn to remember this. I said, okay, Pops, what's that? He says, wrestlers are stupid people. And I said, okay, why are wrestlers stupid people? He said, because if we were smart, we wouldn't be in this business. Think about that. And I said, okay. Um, I'll, at that time, like I said, at that time, I hadn't even, I had just started training. So I didn't, it was my actually my first day. Yeah. I, I figured, okay, you know, I'm sure this pearl of wisdom will reveal itself somewhere down the line, which it did, because I remember. I was backstage at a show, and and yes, I said show, not event, okay, a show, because let's be yeah. honest, that's what it is. Uh, I was backstage at this show, and I looked, I just stopped, and I looked, and I got very quiet, and I looked around at all the other wrestlers, yeah. wrestlers going over their matches. Hey, check out the new outfit I bought. Hey, check this out. Look at this. Uh, yeah, my wife isn't here this weekend, so you can hang with me with the valets. Uh, you know, because let's face it, the wrestling locker room is Lake Vegas. What's happened there stays there. Yeah. Um, and I watched, and I was like, huh. Now I get. Now I know what he means. Exactly. I That's why I wanted you to tell people that because that, you know, I remember you and I talked about that before. And I said, That's the best wisdom I ever heard. That was the best wisdom I ever heard, which was wrestlers are stupid people because if we were smart, we'd be doing something else. Yeah. I, I've had guys ask me to train them. And I, I would love to open a training center. If I had the money to do it, I would. Because I, I love the business that much. And I'd, and I'd like to give back to the business. Um, but if I, I if I had a nickel for every guy that came up to me and said, oh, you know, hey, I, I want to be a wrestler. I want to be a wrestler. And the first question I asked them is, why? Why? What kind of answers do you get? Oh man, because it would it would just be so cool, you know, being out in front of the crowd, and and I'm like, wrong That's wrestler, and you're not <laughs> exactly. But I have a, I have a funny story that goes along with that. Sure, absolutely, go for it. 
It's in uh, Sellersville, Pennsylvania. It was Worldwide Wrestling Alliance, Triple WA. It was a Saturday night at the Forest Lodge VFW. The show was over. Right. And as most VFWs, you know, they had a full bar in there because, you know, being a vet myself, you know, we, and being Irish, we like to have a taste every now and again. Uh, no. Oh. You had uh, a drink, Mike Murphy? Uh, yeah, right. I'm, I'm, I'm a, you kidding me? I keep, I keep up the Irish stereotype. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm at the, I'm at the bar and I'm having a drink. I'm just, I'm, I'm beat up. I'm sore. I'm tired. I only had a half hour to drive home, so that was the blessing part of it. And this guy comes up to me, and I saw him in the audience with his girlfriend. And this guy comes up to me, and he is plowed. I mean, he is hammered drunk. He says, hey, you, you, you're Armageddon. You're that wrestler that was in there. And I said, yeah, that was me. I'm, you know, I shake him. How you doing? I hope you enjoyed the show, yada, yada, yada. He says, well, one, one day I, I, I'm, I'm going to be a wrestler. I said, yeah, I'm going to go to wrestling school. I said, well, that's cool, man. I'm glad. You know, Chase your dreams, you know. And... He wouldn't leave well enough alone. I guess maybe he was a little starstruck. I don't know. But he wouldn't leave well enough alone. Now, some of the other wrestlers who were having a drink are sitting at the table and they're watching this. And this kid goes, oh, what, what's the matter? So you you afraid one day you might have to face me in the ring? And I, I looked at him, I said, yeah, you, you got my number. That's exactly it. You know, you got my number. And uh, then he hits me with, well, you don't look that big. <laughs> I bet I can take you. Oh, here we go. And I'm like, oh, man, he's not. He's going to be one of these guys. And I this said, is how... This is how, ladies and gentlemen, every bar fight with the wrestler starts out this way. Pretty much. Am I lying, Mike? No, you're absolutely right. And I said to him, I said, look, man, I'm tired. I'm beat up. I'm sore. I said, look, let me buy you a drink. And, you know, we drop all this noise. And, and I could hear his girlfriend going, come on, he's tired. Leave the man alone. Leave the man alone. The bartender's telling him to leave me alone. So, he wouldn't leave well enough alone. And I finally snapped. Now some of the boys are getting up and starting to make their way over because they see what's getting ready to happen. Yeah. And they want to come between us. And I looked at him. I looked over one of them. I said, is the ring still up? And he says, yeah. I looked at him. I said, good. Come on, mouth. What? I said, the ring is still up. I said, you and I will get in that ring. I said, you let me throw you around for about five, ten minutes. I said, come step into my world for five, ten minutes. See if you really want to be a wrestler. Yeah. Well, now the spotlight's on him. And he's saying, okay, now I got to put up or shut up. Yeah, exactly. A couple of, boy, couple of boys came between us. The bartender threw him out. You know, that kind of thing. Apologized to me. All right. Ten years later. I'm out riding with a buddy of mine. It's a Saturday afternoon. We've got our Harleys out. It's a nice warm day. We're out riding. 
And I go to this uh, veteran, little private veterans club I belong to, which sure. one day I'm gonna take. One day I'm gonna take you there. Uh, we pull the bikes up to the curb. We back in, and we're getting off the bikes, and all of a sudden I hear Armageddon. And I look up I'm like, oh, you got to be shitting me. <laughs> same guy. It's the same guy. And what's funnier is I had just told the same story to my buddy at another yeah. party we were at, not more than 10 minutes. My buddy says, who's that? I said, remember the guy I was telling you about? He goes, yeah. I said, that's him. Oh, he said, get out. Said, that's him. So he comes up and I shake hands with him. I said, look. No more wrestling talk. Nothing like I said, my buddy and I, we're going to have a couple beers, maybe shoot a game of pool. I don't want to talk wrestling. Well, don't you know, if this guy gets two or three drinks in and he starts. Unbelievable. And I, Some people don't uh, learn. I pulled him aside. I said, I'm going, I said, I'm going to tell you what. You're going to do this here? I said, this is the club that I belong to. I said, you try and do this here? I said, I'm going to bang your head through your fucking shoes. <laughs> and he just looked at me I said guess what there's no one around to stop it keep that in mind and yeah. I just turned and walked away he never I saw him one or two times after that he never brought it up again <laughs> incredible Mike well, let's right. talk about the, the the locker room for a little bit the, the dressing room ah the dressing room yes let's talk about guys Going over their matches. Are you a fan of guys going over their matches, or do you like to call it in the ring? I like to call it in the ring. Okay, and I I do too, and you know how I feel about that. Tell everybody the, the pros and cons, because I, I will admit that there are some advantages, but I see far more disadvantages to calling spots in the locker room. Tell everybody the, the pros and cons of calling your match in the locker room as opposed to calling it in the ring the biggest uh, pros and cons all right uh for me i like calling it in the ring because it's spontaneous all i need give me a beginning a turnaround and the finish depending on who's going over exactly. the rest the rest of the stuff will call out in the ring because it's spontaneous uh, it doesn't look rehearsed. A lot of guys in the locker room will say, okay, we're going to start off with this, we're going to do this and that and this and the other thing. Then we'll do the turnaround. Then we're going to do this. You know, you'll take the heat. Then we'll do another turnaround. Then we'll go yeah. home. And nine times out of ten, they forget half the shit they talked about. Thank you. You know, they forget half of what they're going to do, half of what they're, going to, of what they're talking about. And then you spend most of your match covering up mistakes. And that's the biggest downside, in my opinion, to calling the match in the in the back. Yeah. You know, you've got, think about it. The average match is what, six minutes, eight minutes, maybe ten, if you're lucky? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, so you'll go six minutes to ten minutes, right? Right. If you can't call a match in the ring in ten minutes real time, what are you doing in the ring? Uh, standing around, basically. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. But I've seen guys, and we've both seen it, 
guys that will spend, and I mean this literally, will spend 20, 30, 40 minutes going over their match spot for spot. By the time their music hits, they've forgotten half of it. Yeah, yeah. Now, to your point, they get in the ring and they look at each other like, okay, what are we doing? And then they end up then they end up calling out the match in the ring anyway. Thank you. Yeah. And that's that's my problem. That's why it goes back to the question I asked you. What happened to psychology? Uh, bring psychology? psychology. Was that uh, Alpha? I'm sorry. I said, who taught you ring psychology? Was it Alpha? Uh, Alpha, uh, Johnny Glitter. Okay. Catra, uh, Sweet Daddy J-Love, you know, the other wrestlers. Uh, and they would tell me, you know, watch the matches. Pick up on things. See, see things you like, see things you don't like. Basically, it, ring psychology has to be learned. It can't be taught. You have, you have to learn it. You, you either have the ability to have it or you don't. Exactly. I, I totally agree with you. Well, this was a great, great uh, lesson in what to do and what not to do from a veteran of 23, 24 years now, right? Something like that, yeah. And uh, we we should tell people you're semi-retired because wrestlers never retire. <laughs> if the pay is right, he'll come out of retirement. Well, uh, speaking of retirement, there's one thing I wanted to bring up. Uh, yes, sir. I am now, uh, there is now a second generation wrestler. of the Oh, Army. let's talk about that. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I received, I was, again, I was down on uh, Saturday night, I was down to this uh, veterans club that I belong to, and my daughter in Indiana called, and she says, hi, daddy, guess what? I said, uh, I don't know what, you hit the lottery. <laughs> she, said, oh, she says, I'm getting in the wrestling business. Oh, um, God. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I thought you were smarter than that. Anyway. <laughs> And she said, I'm here. She says, I'm doing, she says, right now, tonight, she says, I'm just going to do, uh, sing the Star Spangled Banner. I said, okay. She said, but I'm going to start training in wrestling. She says, and I was, when this is out in Indiana, uh, she said, I was wondering if it would be all right if I used your name, you know, as my father you know, in my wrestling, I said, honey, if you can, if my name can get you more than a cup of coffee, or, you know, or can get you some work, by all means, I, sure. I'd love for you to, to do it. Sure. I, with, I even called you and said, hey, what can you tell me about this organization? Yeah. Are they, are they you know, and you were like, yeah, they're legit, and they're, you know, they're going to take care of her. Uh, the guy who's training my daughter was trained by uh, Rikishi, who also oh, terrific, owns Jim. So uh, now, what I, name is she using? Uh, what is she working under? Uh, well, her name has changed a couple times. I don't think they've gotten her, uh, you know, a name just yet or a gimmick just yet. She's right. learning. 
hitting the ropes and taking bumps and starting off starting off where her old man started off. Okay, so now so she's she's learning the basics. Has she called you for any advice yet? Uh uh well my son in law called me, um, asked me if I knew where uh she could pick up some wrestling boots and because uh, one thing I told her is don't ever wear sneakers in the ring. Go out, buy mm. wrestling. Oh, buy absolutely. Oh. Spend the money on gear. Yep. And I told her if she had any questions or I could help in any way to give me a call. Uh, so far, so good. Um, you know, knock wood. Uh, no injuries Terrific. like that. Now, tell everybody the name of the company she's working for. Uh, to be honest with you, I couldn't even remember it right now. Well, it's lucky because I do. Oh, good. <laughs> it's called Power Pro Wrestling. Power Pro Wrestling. That's right. That's right. In Power. Evansville, Indiana. Evans, Power Pro Wrestling in Evansville, Indiana. That's correct. Oh, uh, I, I, I get so busy I forget most of the stuff I'm supposed to do anyway. Too many chair <laughs> shots to the head, brother. Yeah, well, you're not far from the truth. And that's why I became a promoter instead of a worker. <laughs> also, I like. There's a special lady out in uh, Indiana, uh, and uh, she's like a grandma to me. She is a huge wrestling fan. Uh, if I could, I just want to give a shout out. Wave, hey, Grandma Bennett. Hope everything's going well, dear. Hope you're feeling better. She just had a uh, she just had heart surgery not too long ago, so. We wish you the best, and I uh, hope you're feeling much better. Absolutely. Well, it's a shout-out from me, too, to Grandma Bennett. How you doing, eh, Grandma? <laughs> we'll go a couple rounds with you. Um, <laughs> okay, Mike, anything you want to promote? Your social media? Where uh, people can reach no, you? Um, I'm just right now with this uh, uh, coronavirus shutdown. I'm just... Yeah, I was sitting back right now, working on my heart, getting ready for riding season, and uh, who knows if uh, if the event is right or it's for a good cause, uh, I might be able to uh, lace the boots up again and uh, give somebody a good reason not to get in the ring with me. <laughs> well, if the money's right, of course. Of course. Better be some zeros on there. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, if, uh, if you want to reach Armageddon Mike Murphy, if you have questions, if you want to know more about training, you can reach him through Wrestling With The Future. And uh, just uh, send an email or a comment to wrestlingwiththefuture at gmail.com. We'll make sure that Armageddon gets it, and he will answer it. And uh, you can always find him here as part of our uh, wrestling family, Re Wrestling With The Future Network. And he'll be here from time to time for special occasions and that sort of thing. And we will also keep you up to date and apprised of the progress of the younger Murphy. <laughs> so, and, uh, rest assured, if you send any questions in for Armageddon, you can rest assured the answer that you get will be directly from me. It's There's nobody absolutely. sitting back answering the questions for me. The answer you will get will be from me. And I also want to slip my camera down here and show everybody this lovely t-shirt. This is our Wrestling with the Future t-shirt. 
they are available now in every size from, uh, um, uh, let's see, we got small, medium, large, extra large, and 2X. And then we so, have one other size, which is, bam! Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We do, we, we do have the capability to have them in larger sizes for the more robust individuals. So if you need a special extra large size, let us know. You can find the link to our T-shirts on our Wrestling With The Future Facebook page. Uh, all shirts are the same price, $20, doesn't matter what size. So you can, uh, you can find your shirt there. And just to let people know that we are donating a portion of the proceeds to Brenda Robinson. She is the mother of my late co-host, Jeff the Ref Robinson, who we miss dearly. And yeah. uh, so know that when you buy a shirt, that a portion of those proceeds are going to help somebody really nice. Yeah. And uh, now we also have a Twitter. You can reach us on Twitter at Wrestling Future, Facebook.com forward slash Wrestling with the Future. And you can hit me up on my personal Facebook page at Angelo DeCipio. And uh, just look for the, the logo. You'll see it. We are there. On behalf of Mike Murphy, Armageddon, I am Psychic Medium Angelo. Thanks for joining us for this special walk down memory lane and uh, the do's and don'ts of indie wrestling thank you folks we'll see you next time take care and happy wrestling bye-bye bye-bye